What's up, y'all? Grant here. As you all know, I grew up in East Tennessee, and there are two things that all East Tennesseans have in common. We all love the volunteers, and we all love the Smoky Mountains. Since I've moved to Nashville, I've been unable to get my Smoky Mountain fixing as much as I would like, but my friends over at Black Bear Inn and Suites of downtown Gatlinburg have me covered. They're conveniently located at 1100 Parkway, and they are also located within walking distance of all the major attractions and the best food that downtown Gatlinburg has to offer. Great for family getaways or business trips. To book your Smoky Mountain getaway today, visit BlackBearGatlinburg.com or give them a call at 865-436-5656 or toll-free at 1-800-933-0777. Welcome to the Fallen Out Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan, here with my co-host, The Real Grant Williams. How you doing tonight, brother? Jordo, man. I was in attendance at the Food City Center tonight. It's a great night to be alive, man. I got to watch Tennessee just completely open up a can of some whoop butt on a, on a pretty good old Miss basketball team. So I'm doing great, man. How are you doing? Oh, buddy, I'm I'm dandy. Uh, I think we do need to get Travis Tritt on here and just roll with the It's a Great Day to Be Alive as our theme song because it's a great day to be alive and it's a great day to be a Vol. You know, man, it is always a great day to be a Vol, but especially when you get to witness a game like we got to witness tonight. And I'll say this, man, the best days of being an Alabama, Georgia, or Florida fan, or in this case, Mississippi uh, fan, it's it compares nothing to even the worst days of being a Vol. You're right there. Just remember, too, they got to live there. Man, if I had to live in Kentucky, Alabama, Georgia, or Florida, or Mississippi, I, I, I don't know what I would do. <laughs> Uh, I'll tell you what you do. You do like everybody else from down there. They move here. Uh, Ain't that the truth? We're blessed to live in the best state in America. You're right there. Go back home, though. We're full. Uh, we are full. <laughs> buddy, tonight we're going to talk some old Miss, some of this uh, old Miss beatdown, and we're going to look ahead to the Cowbells. And uh, also, you were a part of that sold-out crowd tonight at, at, at the Food City Center. I sure was, man. Uh, I guess we'll dive into the atmosphere at the Food City Center first, and then we will jump into what we got to witness tonight. So 21,000 strong inside of the Food City Center at Thompson Bowling Arena tonight. The atmosphere was electric. Um, you, everybody was wearing their orange, going crazy, jumping up and down, making as much noise as they possibly could. And when you feed the floor for a Rick Barnes coach team, they respond. And Vol Nation, Vol Nation showed out tonight. There is no if, ands, or buts about that. I've always said it, man. It don't matter if we're if Tennessee is good, great, bad, awful, terrible. Vol Nation shows out. They show up and they show out. Well, and they did tonight. You know, luckily there's a really, really good basketball team playing on Rocky Top right now. So it's easy to get the fans behind it and get them to show up and support. But at the same time, man, it doesn't matter how bad the team is. People still show up and will get rowdy for it because let's face it, man, Vol Nation loves the Vols and we do everything we can to support them to the fullest of our abilities. But Man, like we said, this was just a beatdown game tonight for the Volunteers. Uh, volunteers won this game by a total of 26, so 92-64, and the Volunteers did cover that 12.5-point spread that was posted yesterday, so very big right there. But you did have major performances tonight from your two juniors on the team. Jonas Adu, 24 points, 10 rebounds, went 10 of 19 from the field, 4 of 5 from the free throw line in 32 minutes. And then Zakai Ziegler, let me just give you a round of applause, Zakai, because you are him. That's that's what I'm going with right here. Zakai in 37 minutes, shot 6 of 13 from the field, 4 of 11 from 3, 1 of 1 from the line. So he got that one right there. But then 5 rebounds, 10 assists, and 17 points. Now also a nugget for you guys right here. Zakai now holds the record for program history points and assist double doubles with six. Wow, that's impressive, man. I like that number. 
Well, it shows that Zakai is the spark plug of this team. Tennessee goes how Zakai Ziegler goes. If Zakai is out there playing like he did tonight, Tennessee is going to be anybody in the entire country. But if Zakai looks like he did early in the season against a Purdue or a Kansas or a North Carolina where, you know, he was there, um, he didn't have his worst games, he didn't have his best games, Tennessee lost those games for a reason. And Zakai is making a strong, strong case for comeback player of the year after that injury where he tore his ACL on February 28th against the Hogs in Knoxville. He had to get some time to get back to game shape, and it really shows now how much better he's gotten. I think that the injury may have been one of the better things to happen to him because he was able to sit on the bench and really be able to learn and watch what the sets are that his teammates are running and is really just playing the best ball of his entire career right now. Same with Adu, best ball that they both had in their entire career, and I'm telling you this, man, they're both juniors. This is their team next year. Absolutely, man. Uh, I like what you what you said about Zakai. You know, it sometimes learning on the fly is the best way to do things. But where, he, like you said, he had to sit last year and had to learn for a while and had to learn and see things from an outside point of view. Sometimes that's your best way of learning things as opposed to being out there and running through it. Um, as far as Adu goes, man, that boy is uh, – he's come such a long way, man. He had a really nice drop step right there at about the 17-minute mark or so tonight, and it was it was impressive, dude. Like, he just – it was a five, it was about five foot from the goal, turned around, sky hook, went right in. It was nasty. Like, it, you, when he's doing stuff like that, you can't stop him. You can't. And one thing I want to say about Jonas Adu – there is no way, in my opinion, and I am biased as a Vol fan, but if he does not win the Most Improved Player Award in the SEC, it is an absolute travesty with the amount of work that he has put in and really just became a grown man out there on the floor. Last season, the season prior, which was freshman season, he was just kind of there. I always said he was a poor man's Kyle Alexander. Great on blocking shots, great on getting the rebounds and playing good defense. Well, Jonas has turned into a heck of a player. And I'm going to say this, man, Kyle Alexander, as much as I love you, you've kind of turned into the poor man's Jonas Adu. Jonas is about to make a lot of money playing at the next level. And if he continues to play this way, this might be his last season in Knoxville. You know, I heard them talking the other day watching uh, the Norfolk State game that he put in a ton of work this year, this summer in the offseason and stuff, polishing up his shot, his shot, his outside game, things like that, because he knew he needed to. And he and it shows, man, that hard work that he had put in over the summer for the balls, it's showing and it, it's shining. Well, it absolutely is, man. You look at what he was able to do tonight whenever you have off games from other guys. Uh, Dalton Connect, I'm not really sure what's going on. I think we need to put his face on a milk carton because he has not been the player that he was early on in the season. And I don't know if now there's just enough game tape out on him where other teams know what his tendencies are and how he's going to play the game and approach each game and it really goes to show whenever you've got two other guys who really are there to pick up the slack how much better they can be and you look at it too uh Josiah Jordan James my favorite player on the team only ended with eight points today but he did a lot of other things to help you out Tobey Awaka you got nine points out of him but that Five of those came from the line at the end of the day. So he went two of four from the field um, and wasn't really able to get a lot of stuff in on the big guys that Ole Miss has on the team. Uh, Jordan Ganey, 12 minutes, got only got three points, so he hit one shot. And then I do want to give some kudos to Jemiah Meshack. 
hell of a game tonight, young man. Ten points. He hit those two big threes going into halftime. One of them was a buzzer beater, and he is he's going to take Dalton's spot if Dalton doesn't get it going. Meshack has improved his three-point shooting tremendously. Tremendously. Well, he has, man. Jemiah Meshack is the best defender on this team, and you've not been able to play him as much as you would like because he doesn't give you a lot on the offensive end. Well, today he shot 50% from the field, two of three from three, and he ended the game with 10 points. Four rebounds, four assists, two steals, one block. I mean, we can just keep on going down the line. Stuff the stat sheet today. He really played one of the best games of his entire career tonight for the Volunteers. He and Vescovy really opened that game up for the balls right there before halftime. They he they sparked that momentum going into going into the half. That was an impressive, you know, three trips up the court, three or four trips up the court. And also, I want to say that Meshack very easily could have been three of three. He had that one that he had, that he missed was down and it just popped out. Oh, it did. Um, you know, me and my dad went to the game and we were talking about it and we were all just gushing over the improvements that Meshack has made on the offensive end because if he is able to find his offensive game and really get that rolling, he turns into the best player on this entire team very quickly, in my opinion. I agree with that. I would agree with that because he he gets out there and he hustles, man. He he's a he is after it on defense and on offense, man. He does the dirty work. He he don't care to go out there and get the rebounds and you know set those screens and cut to the cut to the basket, move without the ball. Some I feel like, and I honestly, man, I'll I'll say this: you brought up connect earlier. I feel like that is part of his problem right now. Other than kind of like what you mentioned, you know, there's more, a lot more game tape out there on him, this, that, and the other. Um, I think it's two things. I think, one, if if that ankle injury from the North Carolina game is legit, was legitimately a high ankle sprain, that's hard to get over. So I could see that maybe hindering him a little bit. Two, though, I just don't think he's very confident right now, man. Well, a basketball player, the biggest thing for them is confidence. If things are not going right, they get in their head. Um, I don't think it has so much to do with that ankle injury for two reasons. He's had two good games since then. He had a great game against Illinois, and he had a good game against Norfolk State earlier this week. So I don't think the ankle's bothering him. I just think that whenever there's a team who has their game plan ready and they are game scheming to say, hey, he does not get the ball and get an easy shot off, it's starting to get in his head. And I think we're going to see a lot more of that going into this SEC season that we're currently in right now. These teams in the SEC have said, no, Dalton Connect is not going to beat us. We'll let Santi uh, you know, go out there and try to beat us. We'll let Triple J go out there and try to beat us. We just cannot let Dalton Connect do it, and it's really starting to show. Yeah, it is. And, you know, that's kind of scary, too, considering that we've got, you know, still got to play Kentucky twice. We've got Texas A&M on schedule. They've, they've sort of fallen off. Arkansas, they've fallen off, but we still got Auburn. You know, that some of those better coach teams are really going to take him out of the game. Um, one th- You're not wrong. Kentucky's going to be able to do that. Alabama's going to be able to do that. And you've got to see both those teams twice. Yeah, and Florida even. I mean, Florida's probably good enough to take him out of the game, I would think. Well, Florida, and you know, we'll dive into this a little bit later in the show when we get to our SEC look around, but Florida had a great game today against Kentucky, and the Gators are not going to be a pushover win like a lot of us thought they possibly could be earlier in the season. So that right there is something that I think could be something to look for later um, as something to be concerned about, but right now, Dalton's got to get it rolling, and he's got to be able to get the ball in the bucket um, to help Tennessee get to the aspirations that they have later in the season. Um, But diving into a little bit about what Ole Miss was able to do today, and our friend Stephen Willis was on with us earlier this week, who does host Locked on Ole Miss, and he was talking about Jamarian Sharp, who is just a freak 
looking athlete with his size. He is seven foot five, and he really does look like those inflatable two arm guys at the car lots. But in 19 minutes, he was only able to score two points, get three blocks, and two rebounds. Jonas Adu, hell of a job on shutting him down today. Yeah, absolutely, man. See, with Adu, I feel like when he has to match up with a guy that size, him and him and uh, what what was the other guy's name? Uh, Cisse. Uh, Obeyawaka? No, no. Oh, Musa Cisse. Yeah. When he has to match up with guys that are big like that, he handles them. When it, as far as from a height standpoint, when he's got a, when he has to match up with a guy that is big and sort of bulky, he can't do it. I, or he hasn't yet this year. I don't want to say he can't. He hasn't yet this year. That well, he he is not yet this year. But if there's a guy who is really tall and lanky, he is able to control the game, which is something he's not been able to do in past seasons on Rocky Top. Yeah, and again, man, that just goes to, that just goes to further show all the work that he had put in over the summer. I think that just that just further proves that he put the work in this year to get better, like like we've seen. I mean, that and well, and it's not even just that; it's the coaching staff willing to put in the work with him and say, "You have this potential to be." an all SEC caliber player and make a ton of money playing in the NBA. This is what you need to do to get there. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. Speak. I mean, we've had seven players drafted to the NBA in the last five years from, from Coach well, and Barnes. That's unprecedented. Yeah. That's unprecedented in Tennessee basketball history. Yeah. Because up until that we had Allen Houston and Bernard King. I mean, you, yeah. you know what I mean? Well, and guys like Chris Lofton couldn't even make it in the league. Um, and then you start getting these guys. It all started with Grant Williams, Admiral Schofield, Jordan Bone. Um, then you got Jaden Springer, Keon Johnson, Kennedy Chandler, Julian Phillips. I mean, you, you're listing off guys that are going to the next level, and that's what kids want when it comes to picking their college to go play at. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that speaks. It, it, that's what that's what the goal is at the end of the day, right? You know, um, but going back, kind of get, getting back into the game, you know, um, that pass, man, it, or that press, it is absolutely filthy, dude. Like it, when we turn it on, you, it's hard to get, it's hard to break it. Well, Tennessee jumped to the press early in the game in the first half, and it really showed. You're going up and down the floor, and you're turning up that defensive intensity with Zakai Ziegler, and it shows on what you're able to do. Teams are not pulling the ball up the floor as easy as they want to if you're pressing and you've got great defensive players on this team to help out with the press and it shows yeah absolutely man i mean that's from that's elite guard play on both ends of the court offense defense that's elite guard play and just to further kind of back that up a little bit at the 10 minute mark in the first half old miss was shooting 17% from the field. Well, and that right there goes to show what Tennessee is able to do. The calling card is defense at the end of the day. You play solid defense, and as long as the offense is just good enough, you're going to win every single time you you step on the floor. You're able to kind of muck the game up and slow it down and play at your pace that you are set at playing at. And it goes to show, once again, why you predicate yourself around defense. Absolutely, man. You know, one thing I do, I do want to throw uh, Merle some credit there on, on uh, that dunk he had in the first half. Uh, Sharp, dude, Sharp come up behind, uh, I think it was Zakai maybe. Is, was it Zakai that he got it from? I think it was. I think, yeah, it was. And he just reached out, swatted it, turned around, and tossed that bad boy up, up, the, up the court. And Merle said, uh uh-uh, this is my house, buddy. I'm throwing it down. And he threw it down. Well, he's a great player, man. Uh, Morell, he is from Memphis, Tennessee. So kind of shout out to him on that. I always love to see the Memphis guys be able to play well just because I spent so much time out there. Matthew Morell tonight. Ended the game with nine points and one assist in 34 minutes. Not his best game where on the season, man, he's averaging, 
let's see right here, 17 points per game. So the Tennessee defense was able to really take him out of what he normally does. And it goes to show once again, why you predicate yourself around defense. You can shut down these guys who go out there and make their money by getting the ball in the hoop. And they're not able to do that against the balls. No, they're not. And and, I mean, it's just elite defense, man, elite defense. And then, you know, the next trip up the court, though, actually, that was Ganey that he that he that he uh, pickpocketed on that one. So, okay, okay, uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, not that it matters. It was still a nice dunk, one way or the other. But I wanted to give him kudos on that. Um, then the next trip up the court, man, Ziegler smoked four. Well, I can't I can't think of the kid's name to save my life, but uh, I think that is Flanagan. You're right. No, nope. that is not Flanagan. Flanagan is number seven. Well, I can't find it. I can't. Oh, it is uh, Jamin Brakefield. I mean, dude, he smoked him. Just the kid come out on him and he said, no, I'm taking you to school, buddy. And he took school was in session on that. It was it was wild. Well, you know, Brakefield ended the game with 22 points and he was the leading scorer for the Rebels tonight against the Volunteers. And he he played a hell of a game. He shot seven, seven of eight from the field, six of seven from the line. And did everything that he was asked to do. The problem is with that, though, nobody else showed up. Sharp, two points. Morell, nine points. You had a bunch of guys on the bench. They didn't have a guy off the bench scoring double figures tonight. Their leading scorer coming off the bench was Murray, and he had six points. Yeah, when you it, when you play Tennessee, you better bring the whole team and they better bring their a game because if you don't, it's going to end up like it did tonight. I mean, they just, we flat out Tennessee flat out opened it up right there coming out of half. Well, the balls absolutely did. Um, There was a stretch in the first quarter where Tennessee just went on a massive run. And I don't have that stat in front of me, but it was going into like nine minutes left in the quarter where they only had six points. And the Rebs really started to turn it on at that point. They scored 31 points in the first half and 33 in the second half, and they did not play a bad game tonight. The Rebels shot 42% from the field, 37.5% from three, and 70% from the free throw line. The Volunteers ended up shooting... 47.2% 47.2% from the field, 36.7 from three, and 85% from the free throw line. So hashtag HYFT was in full effect tonight, and it really shows how good of a team this Tennessee team can be because Ole Miss did not play bad basketball against the Volunteers. It just shows that Tennessee is a better team, and this Ole Miss team is not a bad team either. I don't want people to think that, sure, easy non-conference schedule and it goes a long way when you're you're able to play these teams that are not that great but they're still 13 and 1 and it they're, they're not a bad basketball team and I wouldn't want to see the rebels come march or even you know later on this month later on this month in the month of January to me going into the first week of February or so that's when you see teams starting to gel and Chris Beard's notorious for, you know, getting that team, getting a team to jail later on in the year and making that tournament run. That being said, well, Chris, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, I'm just going to say this. Chris Beard is a hell of a coach and he learned from Rick Barnes. He was on Rick's staff at Texas and he was able to take a lot of things that Rick does and really perfect it for his system that he runs. So what you're saying is te- teacher whoop student today teacher whooped the student today and it wasn't even close so what i do want to ask you though and we kind of discussed this earlier do you think that Ole miss is maybe not as good as we thought they were or and we may or maybe they are and we just made them look bad what do you think i think it's a little bit of both that that's tough right there i i think it is a little bit of both Tennessee is a great basketball team. Anybody who has watched the Volunteers this season understands that. This Rebel team didn't really get to play anybody. It's the, they ain't played nobody, Paul, stuff right there. And that, you know, it's true. 
they they didn't really play anybody. The best team they played all year, in my opinion, was the University of Memphis, which is a good basketball program. I am not knocking what Penny Hardaway's got going on in the 901, but they're still they, they still have a little bit to go. And what Chris Beard has done so far this season, getting this team to 13 wins, unbelievable job. Probably SEC coach of the year if they keep it rolling how they are, because he took a team that was not a good team. Hell, they've already won more games than they won all season last year. Yeah. Well, you know that like that's what Steven said the other night. I feel like that I feel like he set reasonable expectations for this team with with us the other night as far as, you know, 9 and 9 in the conference, you know, 21 10, 9 something like that as a finishing record. That's I mean, that's going to get you into the tournament at the end of the year, especially if you can if you know out of those 22 wins you can Managed to knock off, you know, an Alabama, uh, Kentucky, somebody along those lines, uh, Auburn, even. Well, they are going to get one of those big statement wins in this first season for Chris Beard. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. Yeah. And it's going to end up happening for them because he's too good of a coach to not do that. But I am going to say this. I wouldn't expect Chris Beard to be at Ole Miss for too long because he's too good of a coach and Ole Miss is not willing to put their money in the basketball program like they are with football. No, they're too busy right now uh, poaching everybody's players in the transfer portal to put any money into, into uh, basketball, man. Um, I just I can't, I just can't get over the fact, though, tonight that Adu had himself a game. And, you know, if you really look at it, man, him and, him and Vescovi started that run in the second half that that – sparked us to you know open that game up and well carried us they to absolutely did yeah they absolutely did man uh vescovy great game from him jonas adu had the best game of his entire career tonight 24 points 10 rebounds two assists no turnovers either i do want to see jonas get those block numbers up because he put a big old fat goose egg on the stat sheet tonight in that and he's too tall to not have any blocks but at the same time if i get 24 points out of jonas adu every single night and i can get 10 rebounds i'm going to take it because that means tennessee wins the game absolutely i'll take that to uh every night of the, w- of the week twice on sundays buddy i was gonna say twice on sundays right there man you need to have this type of performance from him. All your juniors on the team, Mayshack, Ziegler, Adu, great games tonight. And those are the guys who are going to be leading the charge next season for Rick. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Essentially, you're you're right. I mean, it, it was good. It was good to see tonight. That was a good team win. We had 22 assists in this game, man. 22. And Woo. yeah, man. I mean, like, and that that uh assist that Vescovi had to to Jonas at there about the two and a half minute mark or so he just whipped it around over there to him and Jonas slammed it dude it was well, sick and Jonas played so well in the pick and roll tonight as well yes Ziegler would call for the pick they nobody would guard him on it it was to right there to start the second half and I leaned over and I told my dad I would run that every single time until somebody proves that they can stop it yeah, absolutely. That's just that, that's kind of like in football. You just impose your will, make them stop it. If they don't stop it, that's on them. Ain't that the truth, man? Ain't that the truth? Iowa. Well, <laughs> Iowa. Come on, Hawkeyes. We're gonna we're we're gonna dig at you for the next couple months on that. So just be ready, right there, Iowa fans. But let's take a word from one of our sponsors real quick. Then we will dive into looking around the sec, then preview what the Vols have against the Mississippi state Bulldogs come Wednesday night. So make sure y'all stay tuned and we will be right back here shortly. This next segment is brought to you by three Kings of cardboard, the go-to spot to give your personal sports memorabilia collection, some love, check out their Facebook group and eBay store at three Kings of cardboard. I have dealt with them personally, and I will not deal with anybody else. My favorite item from them is my Jalen Wright Bowman U one-of-one superfractor that they've pulled me. Check out our friends at Three Kings of Cardboard today. Well, man, let's take a trip around the SEC. What you got for us, Grant? Man, what a great day of college hoops in the Southeastern Conference. So one score that just went final, which is actually really shocking to me, was the LSU Tigers 
beat up on uh, the A&M Aggies today with a final score of 68 to 53. Really? So that may not be the give me that uh, Ole Miss thought they were going to get. No, man. Well, both teams are now sitting at nine and five uh, on the season with the Tigers of LSU sitting at one and oh in the conference. So maybe LSU is not as bad as we all thought they were, but they're still not going to impose a lot of problems for the rest of the conference. In my opinion, you look at the Tennessee game. We've already talked about that, but just to touch on it again, the Volunteers were victorious 92-64. One game that I got to watch today, which was one of the better games I've seen in a long time, was the Wild Kittens of Kentucky going down to Gainesville, and the Gators almost upset the Cats right there on that one. Man, you text me that, and as soon as you text me that, I was kind of on the road, but I was like, let me go check this real quick, and I was shocked because Florida had a legitimate shot to win that game. Well, they did, so Florida led pretty much the entire basketball game, and it got down right towards the end. Kentucky went on a run with about two minutes left to go, and Florida was able to get it inside of a four-point game. Kentucky fouled a three-point shooter, they were like, okay, Kentucky is up by four right here. There was eight-tenths of a second on the clock, and the Florida player went to the line, hit the first two, missed the last one. There should have been more time on the clock. Controversial right there. I get it. But they had a good look for the tip-in that would have sent this game into overtime. That's neither here nor there, though, at the end of the day. Kentucky ended up victorious in this game, but Kentucky is not as good as I thought they were. Um, I don't think this Florida team is that fantastic, but they're still a pretty good team. Todd Golden has done a really good job in Gainesville, but the Cats move to 11-2 and on the season while the Gators go to 10-4. and Arkansas and Auburn, man, another game right here, and this one is kind of surprising to me. The Tigers end up moving to 12-2 and on the season. Uh, the Tigers are also ranked 25th in the nation. But Auburn got the win 83-51 to today while the Hogs moved down to 9-5 and on the season. Man, I got a good little nugget on that one. Uh, Auburn has won seven straight games by 15 points or more. Man, Bruce has got them rolling down there on the plains. I am not not looking forward to playing them. Like I'm looking forward to it as a basketball fan, but Bruce always seems to have Tennessee's number for whatever it is. Yeah, uh, you know, I'd say he's probably a little sore about how things went down up here. Some, and I know some of our fans still are, but you we know, all are. we all are because we got us better off. Tennessee is better off now, but you had to suffer for four years with Conzo Martin and Donnie Tyndall, who should have never been in Knoxville. And I'll say this, man, the university should have stuck behind Bruce Pearl because he was the best thing to ever happen to Tennessee basketball at that point. And he's done something Tennessee's never done with going to a Final Four like he has on the Plains. You know, man, that was that was probably the one higher that that administration got right it was the only one they got right right there it was the only decision they got right if you ask me right there um looking ahead right here uh tennessee's next opponent mississippi state lost by six points to the gamecocks of south carolina where south carolina now moves to 13 and one on the season while the bulldogs fall to 11 and three Ooh. That's interesting. Yeah, kind of a juicy one right there, man. Uh, South Carolina's not really that great of a basketball team either, so shocking to me that they were able to get that win, but that was in Columbia, South Carolina, so maybe they had the chicken coop going down there. Who knows, man? That stupid rooster you always hear. I can't stand that. Oh, man, I can't stand those guys. It don't matter what sport it is. I don't like I don't like the roosters. If you scream, go Cox, I got to question your masculinity. <laughs> you know, just, I mean, it was just their night, though. Just their night. It was just their night, man. I agree with that right there. Uh, moving on to the next one, Georgia. Um, surprising at 11-3 and on the season uh, after today. But they downed the Tigers of Mizzou uh, 75-68, to while Mizzou moves down to 8-6 and on the season. Georgia, is Georgia a little bit better than what people wanted to give them credit for, you think? 
I think so, man. I mean, I'll say this. Mike White is not a horrible coach. Sure, things didn't work out at Florida, and they were getting ready to fire him. And then all of a sudden, Georgia makes the stupidest decision I have ever seen an SEC program make. And they're like, no, don't fire him. We'll pay his buyout, and we'll have him come to Athens and run our program. Makes no sense to me why they did that, but Mike White's not a horrible coach. No, he he put, he put some solid Florida teams together, man. Didn't he? Didn't he take one? It wasn't last year, maybe year before last, to the lead eight or something like that. The one that didn't have any business making a deep March run. It was about the middle of his career at Florida. I don't have where they went. I think he got a team to the Sweet Sixteen, or no, there was that Elite Eight team. You are right. I do remember that one. Um, like I said, I don't think he's a bad coach. Little brother of. Danny White, who is the fearless leader on the Hill. So, you know, I'm I'm happy to see Mike White be able to do something. And that is Tennessee's opponent a week from today. Uh, we're recording this on Saturday the 6th. So the volunteers will take on the Bulldogs of Georgia on Saturday. So be on the lookout for that one. Uh, Tennessee does make the trip down to Athens for that. You know, you mentioned that he is our fearless leader's little brother. Hear me out here. What if when Ricky Dale calls it a career, he makes a phone call down to Athens. He's like, Mikey, what are you doing, man? You up? You want to come to Knoxville? Let's get the band back together. Yeah. How are you going to feel about it? Angry. Angry, angry, angry. Tennessee is better than Mike White. I will say that. Who I would love to see replace Rick Barnes when it's all said and done, which I hope we got about five more years out of Ricky Dale. But I would love to see Kim Kim English make a trip back to Knoxville and make this a stop right here for him or even Chris Beard and be able to get him away from Ole Miss at that time. Two solid names there. I'll tell you who I'd like to see. Shaka Smart. Man, Shaka Smart didn't work out for him at Texas. I don't know if he's a guy who could do anything other than mid-major basketball. That's my my concern with Shaka. He's doing great at Marquette, did great at Virginia Commonwealth. Texas was kind of up in the air. You know, it was back and forth. They wanted him gone. Then he did a great, had a great season, his last season in Austin. And he said, no, you guys didn't want me. I'm getting the hell out of here, and I'm going to Milwaukee to go coach Marquette. Marquette and Texas, two totally different ends of the spectrum, depending on what sport you're you're looking at. Hot take. Marquette's a better program than Texas is in basketball. Ooh, that that's not just hot. That's steaming hot. That's boiling water on the stove right there, man. I don't know. I'm I'm taking the longhorns in that. I'm just trying to fire up our future SEC brethren. Oh man, well, Whenever Longhorn Nation gets a hold of that, whenever you end up on a reel on Instagram or TikTok, uh, please please clip my my voice out of that one, y'all. Grant's going with the Longhorns on that. Horns down. Horns down. <laughs> I, I do agree with that. Horns down. Doing it on the video, y'all can't see, but horns down. Um, and then last but certainly not least, the most surprising game in the SEC to me today The Alabama Crimson Tide made a trip to Nashville to play the Vanderbilt Commodores where they had a struggle win. I mean, a struggle win. 78 to 75, Alabama moves to 9 and 5 on the season where the Commodores of Vanderbilt, the mighty, mighty Commodores, fall to 5 and 9. The Commodores. That's crazy, though. That one right there is shocking to me, man. Nate Oates is a better coach, but Alabama lost everything that they had from that team that was the number one overall seed going into last season's March Madness tournament. Well, yeah, man. They lost their best shooter on and off the court. <laughs> you ain't wrong right there. He's <laughs> playing for the Charlotte Hornets right now. Oh, man. I, that, was, that may have been made in bad taste. I'm sorry. But uh, no, no, it was not in bad taste, man. We we don't like anything that has to do with the University of Alabama. We don't. We don't give a damn about the whole state of Alabama. We don't give a damn about the whole state of Alabama. Whole state of Alabama. The whole state, whole state of Alabama. Alabama. <laughs> there we go. There We're we go. from Tennessee. The best state in America. That's right. With the best sports program in America as well. Come at me, y'all. But that has been your look around the SEC today. 
So um, let's go ahead and let's dive into the Bulldogs of Mississippi State on this one, Jordan. Buddy, this, this I looked at the stats, team stat-wise, points per game, blah, 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 blah. Everything on paper lines up a lot like this game we had tonight. Should be, It could be close, could not be close. I thought this game tonight would be closer than what it was, to be honest with you. Me and you both, I think, thought it would be a little bit closer than what it was. But this game being at home was the difference maker in this one. This one, we got to go to Starkville and listen to those dang cowbells, man. Yeah, you know, shout out to my good buddy, Simon. I know he's a faithful listener of the show. He is a state grad, so I'm sure he's going to be locked and loaded and ready to talk all the crap he possibly can when it does come to this game. Uh, State is not a great team, but they're not a bad team. Um, Their leading score on the season is Josh Hubbard with 15 points per game. Leading rebounder is Jimmy Bell Jr. at 9.2 rebounds per game. Deshaun Davis leads the team in assists, so he averages 3.6 dimes per game. Cameron Matthews is the leader in steals at 2.5 per game. And blocks also goes back to our guy, Jimmy Bell Jr. with 1.2 per game. They also have a guy who has only played in two games this season, but his name is Tolu Smith. With stat adjustments, he's not the leading scorer on the team, but he is averaging 16 per game. So something to look out for right there. But I don't think the Volunteers are going to have much of a problem when it comes to this game. At the end of the day, sure, State is an SEC team, and you cannot take anybody lightly in the SEC, but they don't have the size that the Rebels had against the Vols, and it didn't really show a problem for Tennessee in this game. No, it, it didn't tonight, and I don't think it will uh, when we when we take uh, take on the Cowbells. But, you know, it, it's going to, like I say, man, as long as Adu can play like he did tonight and we're he's facing length and not, you know, bulk, I think he's good. When we're playing teams with, with bulk, down low, I feel like that fits a Waka, a Waka better. It does. A Waka is more of your bruiser guy where a dude's the guy who's shifty and light on his feet and can kind of make something happen, but he is too skinny to be able to play against just a mountain of a man down there where uh, Tobe Waka is more fit for that style of basketball, in my opinion. Yeah, he's he's a little bit stockier, can get a little bit lower than Jonas, and that this I look I kind of look for Awaka to have a good game this weekend or this week. He needs it. I would hope so, man. Um, Tobe Awaka did not have a good game for the Vols against the Rebels. It's documented. I was not happy with how he played, but this is a get right game for him, where he can really go down there and impose his will and be able to help the fan base get what they want to see out of him. Um, Another thing about the Bulldogs from Mississippi State, they are coached by Chris Jans. Um, The guy has had a pretty lengthy and extensive coaching career. He played his ball at uh, Loroas College. Uh, He graduated in 91, then took his first job in 91 as an assistant coach at Elmhurst. He has then bounced around a lot, uh, played well, coached for some junior colleges, Independence Community College in Kansas being one of them. They were the team that was focused on on Last Chance U football with the coach with just a filthy, dirty mouth who turned into be a crook later in life after he was fired from that job there. But then he's been an assistant coach at a couple of bigger schools, Illinois State for three years, Wichita State for seven years, head coach at Bowling Green for a season, decided it wasn't for him, went back to Wichita State for two years, head coach at New Mexico State for five, and then this is going on his second season in Stark Vegas. Okay, so he likes it, he likes it out out in the Midwest. That's what I'm getting. getting at. He does, man. His all time his overall coaching record uh, at the Division One level, he has 175 dubs to 60 losses, and his junior college coaching record is 159 to 45. So. 
the guy can coach. I mean, he's not a bad coach, but it shouldn't impose a problem for Ricky Dale. And then also one thing I do want to add right here too, Chris Jans has only made the NCAA tournament four times in his entire career, and he's only won one game for a record of one and four. Interesting. Very interesting. And that that victory also was when he was at New Mexico State in 2021 to 2022 season. I want to say I remember them getting that win, and it was a 12 and a 5 seed matchup. I feel like that's right, but I do not have that information in front of me. Hey, it's all right. We're going we're gonna to roll with it because it was either a, like a 12-5 matchup or a 13-4. I can't remember, but it, that sounds about right. Let's see. Round of 32 was whenever they were put out in this game. It does not tell me who they played against, so sorry about that, y'all. I do not have that information. Uh, I think I, th- I swear I think that's right. I remember it because it was like, oh gosh, they they were talking about New Mexico State could make their run and uh, make a run at least to the Sweet Sixteen, and then they got bounced the next round. But well, the New Mexico State, and I think that's the Lobos down there, if I remember right, they would have made the NCAA tournament back in that nineteen twenty season that was canceled due to the coronavirus pandemic. So he should have at least one more loss underneath his belt when it does come to that. But, man, I mean, this is not a horrible team. The Bulldogs are sitting at 11-3 and on the season. But kind of like what we touched on earlier in our look around the SEC, they did drop that, that game today to the Gamecocks. You know, though, man, I'm not, I don't even want to say that's probably their worst loss of the year, though. They got beat by Southern earlier in the year, and that was a close game, low-scoring game, like I want to say 60-59 to type of game. Oh, man, I am pulling up the stats on that right now for the faithful listeners of Ballin' Out. So they have beat up on some pretty bad teams. Uh, Bethane, I don't even know who that is, 23-point dub on New Year's Eve right there. They beat up on the Scarlet Knights of Rutgers by 10. North Texas, they beat them by 18. They beat Murray State by four. And spoiler alert, John Morant's playing for the Memphis Grizzlies now, so Murray State's not what they used to be. They beat up on Tulane by 30. Uh, Southern ended up beating them by one point. And they've played other teams, too. They lost to Georgia Tech back whenever State was ranked 21st in the country. They've beat up on Nichols, Northwestern, Washington State, Northern Alabama, UT Martin, and Arizona State this year. So basically what you're saying is they beat up on the who's who of who the hell is that? Uh, pretty much. They've they've not really played nobody yet, Paul. So they, they're going to be tested against the ranked number five team in the country. We may be looking at the Vols being ranked higher by the time that comes around. You know, I'm not sure what the rest of the top 25 that's ahead of Tennessee was able to complete today on their schedule. But with a convincing win for the volunteers, you may see them move up into the top four and that would be big. Well, let's look at what the the folks ahead of us. Well, you know, man, I've got the top 25 pulled up right here and the four teams ahead of Tennessee are Purdue, Kansas, Houston, and UConn. Houston remains the only unbeaten team in college basketball this season, but all four teams did get wins today, so we may not be seeing Tennessee move up like we want to see it. It is what it is at the end of the day. Um, the, The committee still could say, hey, Tennessee's better than UConn, Tennessee's better than Houston. I don't see them saying, hey, Tennessee's better than Kansas or Purdue because that was tested in Maui and look at where it got us. Sure, sure. No, I get that. Um, I will say UConn just they snuck past Butler at one point. That Butler game was within like a point or two, man. And then uh, Purdue kind of squeaked past per, uh, Illinois, man. They they were up by I want to say twelve at one point, and Illinois made a, a furious run there at the end and, and and cut it down to I want to say about two or three, and it come down to. H- hashtag HYFT, 
and Purdue did it and ended up beating them by five. But, you know, then, then you know, you look at uh, Kansas and uh, was it TCU tonight? T- Kansas gets out of there with a two-point win. Uh, you know, if, it, if they don't move up, they don't move up. But it depends, like you say, it kind of depends on what they uh, want to do for us. And as we all know, they don't like doing Tennessee any favors. See, I am going to disagree with you on that right there. I think that this committee has shown Tennessee so much love this season. After losing the three games they lost, Tennessee's right back in the top five a month after that third loss right there. And it goes to show who Tennessee lost against. I mean, Purdue, Kansas, and North Carolina. Purdue, ranked number one in the country. Kansas, ranked number two in the country. North Carolina, ranked number eight in the country. So Tennessee has played a lot of really good teams this early in the season, and I'd be hard-pressed to find somebody who has played a tougher schedule than Tennessee has in the non-con. But at the same time, man, you go out there, you take care of business, you win the games in front of you, and it's all going to work out the way it's supposed to at the end of the day. You're right. You're right. I should rephrase that. We all know they don't like to do Tennessee football any favors. I mean, would you want to help out Vol Nation sometimes with how obnoxious things can be? I can't say that I blame them. I cannot say that I blame them. I can't either. (laughs) I cannot either. So, well, that game against Mississippi State is going to be coming to you guys on Wednesday. Uh, The time on that one is slated for 7 p.m. Eastern on SEC Network. So make sure you guys do tune in, and Volling Out will be ready to break this game down at the conclusion of this game. Absolutely. We'll be ready to break that bad boy down and then look ahead to Georgia. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, guys, thank you so much for choosing to spend some time with us on your whatever you're streaming this device on, and we'll be good to go from there and speak to you guys here very soon. Absolutely. Y'all have a good uh, good uh, Sunday evening, and we appreciate you guys. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. Like, rate, and subscribe. We'll be seeing you all soon. Go Vols. Go Vols. This episode of the Vol and Out podcast has been brought to you by our friends at Peace of Mind Enterprises. From construction home remodel, down to general handyman services, Peace of Mind has you covered. All technicians are licensed and insured servicing East Tennessee with 30 plus years of experience. Call 865-202-7167 for a free estimate because nothing beats having peace of mind.